You're listening to a message from Christian Life Ministries in Coventry, a dynamic, growing church in the heart of the nation. We pray that God will speak to you through this word and impact your life for His glory. Great to see you here and and welcome and thank you for coming to worship. You made a good choice. Always a good decision to come to the house of God and to worship Him. I'd like to extend my welcome to you if you're here for the very first time. It's great to have you among us and we hope you can feel welcome. We are unashamed with our passionate worship and our praise because we have found one who gave all for us. And something responds in us of praise to Him who is altogether more worthy than we have yet grasped. And also there is something powerful inside of praise, which isn't the message today, but when Pastor Esther comes and and encourages us, you know, Acts 16, where Paul and Silas, they've been beaten and flogged and they're chained. And it says around midnight, they started to sing and they, they praised their way out. And it says, when they praised their way out, all the, their chains came off and all the chains came off other people. And sometimes we need to praise our way out and sometimes our praise will help other people get out. As we release something, there's a power inside of praise. Encourage us. Let's not be embarrassed to lift up the name of Jesus. Yes? Wonderful. Well, I believe I'm carrying a word today for the house here and by the grace of God for some individuals too. If you have a Bible, will you turn with me to the book of Genesis right at the beginning of the Bible and to chapter 11. We're going to break in at verse 31. We are looking at the story of Abraham. In the beginning, his name was Abraham. Abraham means exalted father. And in those days, you were meant to live up to your name. If you were called intelligent, you were expected to be intelligent. And if you were called exalted father, Abraham, you were certainly expected to have children. But the irony was that his wife, Sarah, was barren and they had no children. And a little bit later in his journey, God comes to him and says, I'm going to change your name. You know, he must have been so relieved after years and years and years of carrying a name that he couldn't fulfill. And God says, I'm going to change your name to Abraham, which means father of many. But then God came and brought his promise true to Abraham. But back in chapter 11, we see him setting out on a journey with his father, Terah. And this is our story today, Genesis 11:31, And we're going to read into the beginning of chapter 12. This is what the Bible says. Terah took his son, Abraham, his grandson, Lot, son of Haran, and his daughter-in-law, Sarai, the wife of his son, Abraham. And together they set out. Can we all say set out? Together they set out from Ur of the Chaldeans to go to Canaan. But when they came to Haram, they settled there. Terah lived 205 years and he died in Haram. Chapter 12, verse 1, the Lord had said to Abraham, Go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you and I will make your name great. And you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. And whoever curses you, I will curse. And all the people on earth will be blessed through you. So Abraham went as the Lord had told him. And Lot went also. Abraham was 75 years old when he set out from Haran. He took his wife Sarai, his nephew Lot, all the possessions they'd accumulated and the people they had acquired in Haran. And they set out for the land of Canaan, and they arrived there, the Bible says, or the message version says, and they arrived safe and sound. 
The title today of my message is Don't Settle Partway. Don't settle partway. And, you know, something can come to us in, in life where we can set off with good intentions. We can set off with a fire in our belly. We can set off with a passion for God or a call and a destiny and a journey. But sometimes we can find ourselves in a place that we never intended to become home, but it's become home. And what intended to be a pit stop became a dwelling place. And this is what has happened here in this story. If you were here in January 2012, with, which not many were in this second service, but if you were and you have a very good memory, you may possibly recall that that day, Esther and myself, we were visitors to this church. And I was here as a visiting preacher and I preached out of this scripture and under this title. The church at that time had literally just moved in to this new building. There were, there were many fewer people than there are today. And a miracle had happened, but I felt the Lord had put a word on my spirit for this church. We had no idea whether we would actually be a part of it. There's a, a journey had, had begun to unfold. A question had been asked. But what I saw was a call on this house which wasn't a call on us, it was a call on the house, which whether we had anything to do with it or not going forward, I knew God was calling this house to be a blessing even to the nations. I believed and I saw in the Spirit a call on this house, which was Abraham's blessing, to be an impact in the city, to be an influence in the nation and a blessing even to the nations of the earth. And I preached a message, don't settle part way. I was seeking to call a congregation who'd got into a new building to say, this is not it. This is only Haran. This is not Canaan. But I feel stirred to bring the same word again today and say, thank God for all he's done in the last few years. But this is not Canaan. This is only Haran. And we have to keep being willing to set out on the journey. And in our own lives, we can find sometimes we can settle. You know, it's easy to settle. When I was a student, I uh, worked in a pork pie factory in my holidays to earn some money. And I remember the very first day I went, I was what they call a temp. It means I was a temporary worker. My plan was to go in for a few weeks and work and then come out. But when I went in, one of the guys who was there, he looked at me and he said, Oi, are you a temp? And I said, yes. And he said, so was I 26 years ago. <laughs> I was like, let me out of here. You know, so wow. He'd gone in as a temp. He'd gone in just to do a shift. And 26 years later, he still was taking pork pies off the conveyor belt. Sometimes we can move into an accommodation situation as a temporary solution. And years down the line, we're still there. Now, I understand circumstances change. We have to reevaluate. And sometimes what was meant to be temporary is right to become permanent. But sometimes we just settled. We never intended to be here that long. We never intended to stay that long in that place. You know, some of us, we, we can sit down to watch 30 minutes of TV. And three hours later, we're still there. Does anyone know what I'm talking about? Does anybody know anybody who ought to know what I'm talking about? I'm not looking at the front row at this moment. We can get comfortable, can't we? We can settle. We can stay longer than we plan to do. And the text tells a story for us today because, Tara, if you were to back up 
before we broke in, it says that he had three sons, Abraham, Nahor, and Haran. And his younger son, Haran, who had the same name as this place where they settled, ironically. And I don't know what the significance of that is, whether Terah named the place where he stopped after his son. But his son died in Ur of the Chaldeans. Haran, the younger son, died in that place. And then Nahor stayed in that place. But it says that Terah set out with Abraham from Ur of the Chaldees to go to Canaan. Can we all say Canaan? Canaan. But the Bible says when they arrived in Haran, they settled there. And then the next thing is a little bit shocking if you look at it, because it says Antera died there. A thousand miles on foot. It's a good journey. I mean, it's like us setting out from Coventry on foot to go to Barcelona. But arriving halfway down France and settling and dying in France. I'm not saying anything against the French. I'm just saying that's the distance. No one wants to die in France. No, no one wants to die in a place where you were never intended to stop. And today, if you can hear my heart and hear the, the word of the Holy Spirit speaking to you, there's a place that we might call Haran, which can be the place in our own lives where we can settle and we never intended to stay there. You know, we should never despise those who set out. Many people never set out. At least Terah set out. In my book, better to set out and not reach where you'd hope to get than to never set out at all. But the reality is Terah settled in a place that he should only really have pitched tent for a time or for a night or maybe even for a season. But he began as a pioneer. He had courage and he set out. In those days, there's no sat-nav, there's no internet. I don't know if he knew where he was going, but he set out on a journey to go to Canaan, the Bible says. But something happened. Maybe they needed a break. Maybe somebody got injured or, or unwell. Maybe they just found a great spot and thought, let's stay here for a season or two or three. The Hebrew word for settle is yasab. It means to inhabit, to make settlement. I'm not here today to stir your pain, but I am to provoke courage. Because there are some dreams that die in Haran, and there are some people that die in Haran. And we were never meant to stay in Haran. And if today you're here and, and the Holy Spirit would come and, and stir something in you, maybe you set out on a good journey. Maybe you set out with a pioneer spirit. Maybe you set out with a desire to serve God with everything you've got. And somewhere along the line, the busyness of life, the circumstances of life, the challenges, the demands of life, whatever it might be, and you find yourself today settled in a place that you didn't set out to be, I believe that the Lord will come and call you that it's time to set out once again. I believe the Lord would speak His word into the place of Haran in our hearts, the place where death would want to sell and call something out of that place today. So it's time to set out again. You know, the Christian call is a call to pilgrimage, a call to follow, to die to ourselves. You know, Jesus says to Peter, come follow me. When he first calls him in the boat and three years later after Jesus has been on the cross and Jesus reinstates Peter, you know what he says to him? Follow me. We're called to a life of following. We're called to a life of journey, a life of pilgrimage, a life where we set our hearts to follow where the Lord might lead us. Psalm 84 says, blessed are those whose strength is in you, who set their hearts on pilgrimage. They pass through the valley of Baca and they make it a place of springs. 
The Bible says they go from strength to strength. Those who set their hearts on pilgrimage go from strength to strength. We're never intended to settle, but to go from strength to strength. But the journey of pilgrimage is a challenging one. Bunyan's hymn from Pilgrim's Progress, He who would valiant be against all disaster, let him in constancy follow the master. There's no discouragement shall make him once relent his first avowed intent to be a pilgrim. Our first avowed intent. I've made a, an, a vow to be a pilgrim, to follow after him. I've made a decision with my life to run as hard after God as I can. And, and I'm not quitting to be a pilgrim, to keep pressing on. Rabbi Abraham Joshua Heschel says this, Faith is not clinging to a shrine, but an endless pilgrimage of the heart, audacious longings, burning songs, daring thoughts, an impulse overwhelming the heart and usurping the mind. These are all a drive towards serving the master. What's he saying here? He's saying faith is a dangerous journey. Faith, faith is, a, is an out there type of thing. To set our hearts to follow him. It's not a clinging after a shrine, but, but a daring, a believing, a trusting, a walking. It's a, it's a different way of how the world would work. But it's the call of the Christian. And here, something happens to Terah and those that are with him, but then God speaks to Abraham, chapter 12. It always changes when God speaks. Always changes when God speaks. And something happened and God spoke. God spoke a word. And something happened and Abraham set out. Again, it says that the Lord said to Abraham, Go from your country, your people, your father's household, and I will show you the land to which you are to go. And then it says, Abraham set out. My friends, I hope you hear me today. We mustn't settle part way, but press on towards what God has called us to. Abraham chose three things. Number one, he, he chose call over comfort. He chose call over comfort. I've no doubt they made a good settlement. I've no doubt that it was a practical place, a comfortable place. You know, his father had died there and presumably his father's bones were buried there. It was not just a practical place, it was a sentimental place. There were many reasons why they should maybe have said, let's stay here in Haran, this is working for us. But God brought a call. And the question has to be, what's the Lord saying? For Abraham, he not only told him to leave, but he put a call on his life. The promise of blessing. He spoke of the future. But my friends, the, the movement, the journey, the stepping out was an essential component to fulfilling the promise of God. And so it is with us. And I don't only speak personally. I want to speak to us corporately here today. And I want to say a massive thank you to all of you that have been part of the journey here of the last few years. Because we have lived for call, not for comfort. That's the reality. If you've been around here, you will have been part of a community that has been living for call and not for comfort. You know, we look at the last few years, what God has done. And, and in these little booklets that we give you to take away today and to read, you'll, you'll see us talk about the last few years, the amazing favor of God, the growth that we've seen here, the, the provision, the community, the sense of family that has got deeper even as we've grown, the 
the salvations, the baptisms, the healings, the presence of God, the answers to prayer, the amazing privilege to partner with so many different organizations, the people God has divinely connected us with. It's been incredible. It's been a privilege. It's been a privilege to, to sit in a meeting and give birth to a winter night shelter that in turn has opened the door to have a voice with our council in the city. You know, and Esther was in that very first meeting. It's been a privilege. We look at it and we say, Lord, it's been a privilege to be a part of what you've done. It was a privilege to look back and, and remember the Lord provoking me to send an email that gave rise to City Praise and Prayer, where we've seen 600 to 1,000 Christians from 50 to 80 different churches come in to call on God for our city and say, wow, it's been a privilege to be a part of it, God. It's been a real privilege, but I want to say a massive thank you because beyond the goodness and kindness of God, which we don't underestimate, there's been you, the church, the army of servants with a willing spirit that have responded every time we've said, we've got this, we need people. You know, today we talk about a next level in our youth. 165 young people here on Friday night just gone and, and a call goes out. Can we strengthen the team? Because at this rate, if we don't strengthen the team, we might be turning people away because of ratios. And, and I, I know that this congregation will respond because this congregation always responds call of a comfort and there'll be some people and I'm not saying it has to be you but there'll be some people because it's always how it's worked in the last few years who says well I do like being home on a Friday and, and I do like watching TV on a Friday but I'm not going to respond to comfort I'm going to respond to call and give my life to serve the raising of the next generation and I want to say thank you those who have served in any way those who've been here early on a Sunday morning setting up for church, those who've stood in the rain on the car park, those who've risen to the challenge to pray and fast, the request to serve and sacrifice, the challenge to sow financially, the charge to shape and carry a kingdom culture. I want to say thank you for the response of this house to last year's vision offering, a response to call and not comfort. You see, but the reality was last year we, we had to look at our debt. We, we'd carried our... 1.8 million pounds of a loan on this building, and it was hurting our vision. It was limiting the outworking of our vision because every year we were paying over 100,000 pounds on the mortgage. And we, we said, look, we need to go after this. We need to speak to this mountain, but we also need to make a move for God to move. And some of you were here, and, and we said what we would ask of everyone and urge of everyone is to just get along with God and ask him, what are you asking me to do? And then have the courage and faith to respond. You know, and I'm delighted to update us here today, three weeks before our next Vision Sunday, to say that last year, as many of you know, just over 400,000 pounds was pledged on the day. A little more was added to that. And our anticipation by the end of this month is over 300,000 pounds will have come in against those pledges in the last 12 months. If you add gift aid on that, it's over 350,000 pounds. If you add our monthly repayments and you also add some additional money that because of strong tithes and offerings since March, since March and good budgeting that we've been able to add and to say by this year's Vision Sunday in three weeks' time, over seven, well at least, uh, sorry, 470,000 pounds will have come off our mortgage. That's almost half a million, that's almost half a million pounds, church. That's almost half a million pounds has come off our mortgage in 12 months. 
Who would have thought it? Who would have thought it? I'll be honest. I didn't think it. People said to me, what do you think people will give? I said, I've no idea. I've no idea. I don't want to think about it. I don't know. I knew what we were doing, but I didn't know. If we'd have done half of that, if you'd have said to me last year, half of that, I'd have said I'd be amazed. Immeasurably more. Wow. You know, I spoke this week to uh, the leader of a well-known church that, that I mustn't name, and he was telling me about the fundraising challenges. He was telling me about how he's been on the fundraising trail, how he's had a lot of meetings in London. He's been speaking to high net worth individuals, excuse me, and making uh, big asks of their major donors to contribute. And he said, we're so encouraged because in the last 12 months, 100,000 pounds has come in. Now, it is good, Rahab, but I thought, that, you know, there's nothing I can say right now about the, us that isn't going to sound like, nah, 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 nah. <laughs> and I just, so I just said, that's great. But I thought, wow, we've not gone and spoken to any millionaires. I'm not aware of any high net worth individuals in this congregation yet. And if you are, let me take you for lunch and I'll pay. But listen, we just came before God as a people and we said, God, what do you want to do through me? And there's a miracle that's just happened through our hands if you don't realize that. If you don't realize half a million pounds off a mortgage is a miracle, look at your hands and said it went through my hands if you gave anything. Wow. Thank God and thank God for the people of God who responded to call and not comfort. I commend you before the Lord. I'm so proud of this church. And I'm proud to be a part of this church. But of course the challenge is, what now? What for us next? See, is this it? Have we arrived at Canaan because we had a good year? We're in Haran. There's a call on the house. There's a call. And I, I hope you hear my heart. Right, but there's a call. We have to keep responding to call. There's a call to impact the city. There's a call to influence the nation. There's a call to be a blessing to the nations. He's calling us on to the next level. Has not the Lord moved? Yes. Will he not also continue to move? I believe he will. Pete Gregg in his amazing book, Dirty Glory, talks about his own challenge, having birthed 24-7 prayer and stepped out in audacious faith but many years on, coming to that place of God stirring him to go on again. The call that comes, and he talks about wrestling. He even uses the language of Haran in his book. And he says that he went to a Billy Graham crusade. It was one of the last ever times that Billy Graham was to preach in, in a stadium. And his kids were little, and he wanted his kids to hear the great man before he stopped preaching. And, and he said they were wide-eyed, his kids, their, their, their little legs dangling on the seats because they were way past their bedtime and they were so excited to be in a crowd. And he says this, Pete Gregg, Billy Graham had preached his heart out that night. He was old and frail and for the first time in more than 60 years of ministry, he preached alone without his lifelong buddy, George Beverly Shea, leading worship by his side. And I wondered, why is he doing this? Why isn't he tucked up at home with his wife, drinking cocoa, watching TV like any other self-respecting octogenarian? 
A night in Kansas City was hardly going to make him any more famous. Billy Graham had preached to more people live than anyone else in history. He'd been the confidant of successful, successive world leaders, sorry. He was old and frail and sick. He had every right to retire, so why was he here tonight? I began to realize that the great evangelist was with us on that bitterly cold night simply because he was gnarly and determined and true. There was nothing but beautiful, excuse me as I quote, but bloody-minded faithfulness to the call of Jesus, an old-fashioned sense of duty, an ardent resolution just to do the work of an evangelist with every breath that he was granted. The old man was on the platform. He'd remained faithful to his wife for over six decades. He'd also clearly remained true to lifelong friends like George Beverly Shea. And along the way, he dignified the high office of Christian leadership with humanity and integrity. His message to me that night was not his sermon. I can't remember a word of it. But it was the gift of his life. Billy Graham's shaking hands and breath steaming from his mouth as he preached reassured me eloquently that it really is possible to keep pioneering with integrity all of your life, not to sell out burn out or settle down, but to run the race beautifully and to finish well. The familiar voice echoed around the stadium. I squeezed my wife's hand and glanced at our wide-eyed boys, and I made them a simple, silent promise not to settle. My friends, let our lives respond to call and not comfort. We speak in the booklet, that we give you today about the next level, our next level call, our vision. And our vision doesn't change. Our vision is to bring the kingdom of God into every life and sphere of society, to be a people of kingdom bringers, a people that bring the light and the love and the gospel and the hope and the power and the presence of Jesus to all people around us in our worlds, where we work, where we study in our homes. This is kingdom come. This is our vision And the vision doesn't change, but there's a call to a next level. You see, the, the last season has been certain things to us. It's meant certain things. It's been hard work. It's been infrastructure. And in the booklet, we say four things. You know, we, we must persist in our priorities. The reality is there have been some things that have helped us get to where we are today. A commitment to prayer and fasting. We're not going to stop. A passion for the presence of God. We're not going to stop. An aspiration to be a people of courageous faith, we're not going to stop. A paradigm of kingdom partnership and working with others, we're not giving it up. A desire to build Christ-centered community, it remains a value of the house. You know, there are many things to be a, a spirit-led leadership and a servant-hearted people, a commitment to his word, that we need to stay persisting in our priorities we also need to maintain our momentum. We thank God for our children's work and our youth work and our young adults, our students. We thank God for synergy. And you see the adverts go up for 60 plus, having brunch, having afternoon tea. What you probably don't know is every month they're going into at least three nursing homes, bringing the light and life of Jesus. Some of them working in the Good Neighbors Project, helping people that otherwise would be socially excluded, bringing light and life. Love it. So exciting. We're going to keep investing in these things. Keep building, strengthening, advancing. Our life groups, people meeting in homes every week and Christ-centered community happening. We're going to maintain our momentum. But you know, the next level for us, we're also excited. We need to develop our discipleship to the next level. We're so excited about this. We're so excited about a season that's ahead of us in the coming years of raising maturity right across all the ages, from the oldest to the youngest. 
We believe where God's going to help us to step into something new. We're excited in the spring to be rolling out an amazing uh, discipleship journey called Rooted across all of our life groups, seeing hundreds of people grow in their maturity as we do that. We're so excited to be developing a, a discipleship pathway for all people to get on board and to keep growing. We've got so many dreams and ideas in our hearts that some are wise not to say at this time, but we know it's going to be a season of discipleship. We know there's a next level that God, where we've arrived, it's not Canaan, it's only Haran. And the Lord would say, if we can raise a church of mature people, we can change the world. And so we invest in it, developing a leadership development pathway to continue and step up equipping, training, and releasing leaders. Because everything needs leadership. But also in the next level, we have to multiply our mission. I'm so proud that, that we're part of 10 different partnership projects in our city. Helping the poor and the homeless and the broken. Helping to rescue people out of human trafficking. Helping those that are destitute. Those that are refugees. Working together with others. Uh, praying on the streets for those that are sick. Some of the work we're already a part of. But in the next season, we're going to multiply that mission. In the next season, find fresh ways to reach out with the gospel. I'm excited in the spring that the higher tours we partner with the Message Trust, we're going to be going into secondary schools right across this city. Thousands of young people are going to hear the gospel, and we're going to be a part of it. We're putting our money where our mouth is. We're getting involved. We're rolling up our sleeves. And some of you are going to be involved in it either by prayer or by action, either because you're in schools or you're lifting it up and you're serving the whole thing. And we're excited. It's going to be a part of what we see and what we do. We're praying how and when we make room. The number of people that have said to me, have you realized that the second service, it, it looks like this one service was before we went to two services. Do you think I don't see that? <laughs> do you think I don't notice? And so we're saying, God, what do you want to do? What's next, Lord? Because we're trying to follow you. It's a journey of faith. But there's a call on the house, and we have to look at fresh ways to make room. And our next level offering is for the next leg of our journey, a respond to call that says we're not going to stay in comfort, but respond to call. Maybe there's a call on your life. Maybe there's a new part for you to play here or somewhere else. Secondly, Abraham chose faith over fear. Faith over fear. You know, one of the enemy's greatest tactics is fear. If comfort doesn't keep us part way, then fear might. Fear of the unknown, fear of failure, fear of man. We have to choose faith. In Hebrews chapter 11, it speaks of Abraham responding to the call that we've just read about in Genesis. And it says, By faith, Abraham, when called to go to a place that he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. He had no idea where he was going. But the Lord said, set out. You know, does it occur to you that Sarah, his wife, might have said, uh, I could use a little more information here? Abs. We're going where exactly? Canaan. Where is it? I've no idea. Well, what direction is it? I'm not so sure. What are the people like when we get there? I couldn't tell you that. Is there a place plentiful where we can survive and provide for the kids? I can't guarantee. But it's time to set out. Who knows that there's a journey of faith going on there? We're going 
because the Lord's spoken to us, Sarah, and everything's going to be all right. And the Bible says they arrive safe and sound. The Lord has speak to some of you today and say it's time to set out. And there's fear, there's uncertainty. You don't know the end from the beginning. You don't know how it will work out. I want to say if you trust the Lord, you'll arrive safe and sound. I remember the call coming to us, the call of God coming to us to uproot from where we'd been for 20 years in Nottingham and come and be a part of this journey here at CLM. And it might only be an hour down the road. I know some of you have come from other nations in the world, but we had to uproot our lives, leave our friends behind. Realistically, you transition life and you can try and keep in touch, but something changes. And we knew that was part of our journey. I remember getting eight weeks before we were due to move. We had no house and no school sorted for the kids. And we said, we're just going to pray because we're trusting God on this journey. We're going to choose faith over fear. We're going to trust him who is able and him who is faithful. We have to keep trusting God and choosing faith over fear. As our corporate journey unfolds here, we have to be a faith people. We have to be a people that we're trying to follow the, the leading of the Lord. The last five years have not been a wise strategic plan that, that's been the result of an MBA. It's been the decision to get on our knees and pray and fast and say, Lord, what are you saying? And to have the courage to follow it. And it's been amazing. It's been exciting. We're going to continue to walk by faith. We have to position ourselves to walk by faith and journey by faith to be a people of faith to follow the one who is the architect and the builder who has the blueprint and has the plan. So many things we would never have seen, but he saw. And so our next level offering in three weeks' time when we come and we go again, you know, at first instance, we're going to use it to continue to reduce the mortgage. We're going to put money given against the, what we currently are. We're going to keep bringing this mountain down. By faith, we'll see it debt free. And that will be our first intention with money that's given. But let me be clear and make a caveat. We're also saying as we write in the book, but if the Lord clearly brings us openings we have to step into, we're not going to be afraid to use resource to do that. And to that end, you've got to trust us. Trust us as elders. Our goal, if there's nothing else, is we'll bring the mortgage down. And as we have done in the last year, as nearly half a million pounds has been given, I can guarantee you we will be responsible stewards as directors and as elders. But we're not going to worship debt-free. We're going to worship the one who is taking us to the next level. And I don't know what's going to happen because one of these years, I think a property is going to come up and the Lord's going to say you need to buy it. I think one of these years, the Lord's going to say, there's something happening here and you need to make a move on it right now. And we've got to be positioned to do that. The journey of faith. It's a faith position. And in the booklet, it, it comes to all of us. Will we function in faith or function in fear? And the question's there again. We're asking you to come before God and ask him with an open heart what he wants you to give, what he wants me to give. And then to have the faith to step out and obey. And in the back of the booklet, you'll see some testimonies of people who've been on a journey over the last 12 months. So beautiful. So wonderful. 12 months ago, as many of you did, we engaged in this process for the first time. We shared with you at the time. Some of you remember how we felt God had spoken to us about giving a five-figure sum that didn't include pence. And in case you, you think we're loaded, I, I tell you, that was a faith pledge. We had a little bit of money saved up and we cleared it out. We, we paired back our budget. 
but there was a whole chunk of money at the end of it where we said, Lord, we're going to put it down because we know you've spoken to us, but we don't know how that is going to be possible. And it's with great joy today we put the final installment of our pledge in the pot this day because God has supplied all of our needs. He has been so faithful to us. The blessing and the favor and the kindness of God. We've walked on water in the last 12 months. And we come again to the same question. And I want to tell you, I know I've had a bit longer to run at this than some of you, but I've way got past, oh no, not again. I'm way past, oh no, not again. I'm Lord, we want to keep walking. We want to keep walking by faith. We want to keep trusting you. You know, in our hearts, we don't want to give less than we gave before, but we're in a process right now. We're continuing to pray. We're saying, Lord, because he might say more, he might say less, he might say the same, but we want to know that we've heard him. We encourage you to engage in a process of trusting him, responding to call, not comfort, and responding in faith and not in fear, as even as we come to our next level offering on the 5th of November. You know, maybe... Last year you gave a little and you're ready to give more. Maybe you gave early and you're ready to give again. Maybe you've been giving all year and there's a deep breath to choose faith again. And let me just say a word to any who pledged and yet haven't yet fulfilled. I want to say if you can do, you should. Don't let comfort or fear stop you fulfilling. But if you made a pledge and you can't fulfill in the next few weeks, I've got a word for you. Relax. It's all right. You know, we're learning. We're learning on this journey. We haven't done this before. We're not experts in the faith walk. And if last year you, you made a pledge and you look back on it, and you've got to ask yourself, Lord, did you speak? Because if you sense that he did, just the timing hasn't been right, then when we come to the 5th of November, pledge it again and see God will come through in his time. And if you look back and go, I just wanted to do that. I want to say, I love that heart. I love that heart that says, I wanted to do something awesome. In honesty, I made it up. I just, I, I wanted to give that, but it wasn't God. Then just say, Lord, would you help me this time to hear you and to go on a faith journey and see you come through? You know, the, I, I love the spirit that says, I want to do something great for God. Peter said to Jesus, if it's you, Lord, bid me come to you on the water. And he got down and he began to walk. We can imagine if Andrew had said, whoa, I'm coming too. We've got to hear the voice of the Lord and respond to it. And if you're not sure, make a decision in your heart and let the peace of God settle on it. As you read the testimonies, you see numbers of people have said, we, we agreed on a figure and, and then the Lord changed it and the Lord changed it. We got, to, we, we got to the place where it's a process. You go before him and we're right in it right now as we come on our own journey. But also, being a people of faith, it's a position for us as a church. You know, at its heart, and I hope you hear this, I tell you the truth, at its heart, this is not a fundraising event. This is a position. It's a posture that we're going to be a faith people. We're going to be a people that trust and obey. We're going to be a people that do miracles, that put his miracle power goes through our hands because we stepped out, we listened, and we obeyed. You know, the Lord has brought us this far. We're going to keep on going. As we saw last week, we, we respond to the call to go from faith to faith. We have stepped out of chapter 8 in Luke into chapter 9, but we need to stay in chapter 9. 
In some ways, we're at Haran as a church. We need to keep setting out. Pete Gregg in his book says this, God tests our hearts in life's transitional moments because the priorities we set at gear change times can fix our course for years to come. This is really powerful, and I'd like you to look at this statement. Because as a church, we're in a gear change season. We've come so far. We've come out of a critical stage, and we're into another stage. And the priorities we set right now in this season are very important for us. Will we be a faith people? Or will we be a fear people? Will we be a call people or a comfort people? I tell you, this is an important moment in the life of this church, and maybe in your life too, God tests our hearts in life's transitional moments, because the priorities we set at gear change times can fix our course for years to come. And let me say, humbly but considered, in a considered way, I believe the church in this city needs us to continue to be a faith people. You know, we're always going to big up the church in the city. We're all going to, always going to work towards kingdom partnership. We're always going to celebrate other churches and know that we not only can't do it on our own, we don't want to do it on our own, but I know that there are other churches looking to this house. I know that what's happened in the last year has provided faith to other churches. As we gathered with 70-plus leaders of churches and missions organizations this week, it was my voice at the end of the meeting that piped up to say, come on, church, we've got to keep pushing forward. We've got to keep moving on this. We've got to keep the doors open. We've, we've got to let faith arise within us. CLM, we're a faith people. Let's continue to be a faith people. Let's continue to trust him. Let's continue to choose faith over fear and call over comfort. And finally, Abraham chose tomorrow over today. Lamar, why don't you come or I'm just going to keep on preaching forever. You know, in chapters 11 and 12 where we read, there's an amazing promise that comes to Abraham. A promise for his tomorrow. Maybe there's a promise on your life. There are some things ahead of you if you continue on the journey of faith that, that are beyond your comprehension as you sit here right now. You know, Abraham, he's there in chapter 11 and God says, will you set out to Canaan? How could he possibly have conceived that of the 66 books of the Bible, his name would not only appear in Genesis, but 26 of the other books? That we'd be talking about him here today, but his response to sow into tomorrow and not today was the door opener to the promise of God. We have to keep our eyes on God's tomorrow and not our own today. The blessing of God came to Abraham beyond his own wildest dreams as he looked forward the Bible says in Hebrews 11 to the to a city of foundations whose architect and builder is God you know sometimes we can get caught up in our today the challenges of today the situations of today the circumstances of today the pressure of today in Luke 11 Someone comes to Jesus and Jesus says, follow me. And he replies, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. That, that's reasonable, isn't it? Jesus said to him, let the dead bury their own dead, but you go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Still another said, I will follow you, Lord, but first let me go back and say goodbye to my family. That's not unreasonable, is it? And Jesus said, no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for service in the kingdom of God. 
what is Jesus saying through these extreme words? I think he's saying, don't focus on your today. Focus on God's tomorrow. We have to choose not our today, but God's tomorrow. That we're going to be a people that step out and trust him. You see, Abraham would have stayed in Haran if he was looking at today, but he made room for God's tomorrow in his own life. You know, as we continue to position ourselves as a people of faith, as we respond in three weeks' time and do what God is asking us to do, I believe we will open up some tomorrows we haven't seen yet. There will be families that sit in our midst that have come to Christ because we stepped out in faith. We made room for them. There'll be whole communities that, that we play our part in transforming in this city. And we can look and say, wow, look what God has done. Because we refuse to stay in comfort. We refuse to settle. We make way for the tomorrow of God. I believe there'll be moves of God in schools and in colleges and in universities. And we'll hear the stories of what God's doing. And we'll know we've been a part of it because we continue to be a pilgrim people. There'll be people get baptized who's who wouldn't actually be alive if Jesus hadn't come and saved their lives from utter wreckage. And they'll testify to the transforming power of the gospel because we continue to move to call, not comfort. We will see some tomorrows. We'll have a voice in the city and we'll sit at some tables and we'll, we'll anoint some people with oil and send them out to other parts of the world to pursue the call of God that's on their life. And it will be part of our journey as a church tomorrow because we continued not to settle but to pursue the passion that God has placed within our hearts, His call. And we invite you, take this booklet away, read it. Read it with an open heart before the Lord and allow God to do something in your life as we're inviting him to do in our lives. But as I finish, I'd like to address this personally. I've spoken a lot corporately here today, but a bit like Terah, Abraham was brought a challenge and he set out. And maybe you find yourself in a place that you might identify a bit like Haran. Maybe you set off. Maybe you set off with a dream in your heart. Maybe there's a call in, in your heart or something that's on your life. Maybe you just set out with a passion for God, but somewhere along the line, you've settled. And I believe the Lord would want to come and speak into that place today and speak life into that place and say, it's time to set out. It's time to set out again. Something within us that says, God, I, I never intended to settle here. I never intended this to be my destination. There's something within me that wants to push on. The call that came to Abraham to set out again. Many times we have to set out again. We may be set out a while back, but it's time to set out again. And let me tell you, setting out is a position of the heart first and foremost. Something that says, Lord, I'm going to serve you. I'm going to live for you. I'm going to give my life for you. I'm going to set my heart on pilgrimage. They set out from Ur and the Lord spoke and they set out from Haran and they arrived safe and sound. And I wonder why doesn't the band come and join me? But as we bring this message into land, I want to say to you, don't settle part way. Don't settle part way. If God has spoken something into your spirit, start, you've started on a journey. 
I invite you in these moments to respond to him. And across the room in a moment to stand to your feet. And if you're standing, you're saying, Lord, I set my heart to set out again. To be the woman of God you called me to be. To be the man of God I purpose myself to be. We might need to reevaluate the dream that we carried. We might need to sit and have some counsel as to what it needs to look like. But there's something in our hearts that says, I refuse to die in Haran. I refuse to settle in that place that was never meant to be a destination. And today I resolve to set out again. And if that's the cry of your heart, I'm going to invite you to stand right now. We're going to pray together right across this room. A journey of faith, a people that will say, God, I'm setting out to pursue you with everything I've got. I refuse to settle. Don't stand because everyone else is standing. Stand because something in your heart says, I will not die in Haran. I set my heart and my will to go after what God has put in my heart. Lord, would you help me to get to my Canaan? And if that's your heart, I invite you to open your hands if you're not embarrassed to where you are. Offer yourself to him once again. Why don't you begin to speak to him right where you are and say, here I am, Lord. I set my heart on pilgrimage. I ready myself. I'm going to pursue call and not comfort. I'm going to pursue faith and not fear. I'm going to give my life for tomorrow and not today. Let my life count. Let me get to my Canaan. Lord, deliver me from settling in Haran. And I pray, Lord, let your word stir something in the deep places of your people today. Let it call something out where a spirit of death would want to settle on some dreams. We awaken them today and we call them out of Haran and we say it's time to set out again. And I speak over every person that positions themselves to serve you. God, that you would cause them to arrive safe and sound. You would cause them to make a journey of faith. Lord, that would not only honor you, but would be the fulfillment of the promise over their own lives and the blessing of God over their families in Jesus' name. So help us, we pray. Help us, we pray. Let us be a people that respond to your call, that respond in faith, that give our lives to tomorrow and bring honor to your name.